0: Through a very happy accident, I got a job at PwC, which is a great big management consulting firm. And they wanted someone who spoke good English and um, they liked certain skills that I had because the management consulting industry finds those skills very valuable. So I would say industry-specific and Mm -hmm. position-specific
1: Hello everyone, this is Tracy, and I am your host on the Visible at Work podcast. Subscribe to hear a weekly dose of actionable insights from me with my decade experience working with multicultural teams across Europe, the Middle East, Africa, and North America. You also hear down-to-earth interviews with culturally diverse people who have succeeded to remain visible at work, irrespective of adjusting to different countries, work cultures, and people. You don't want to miss this. Sonal, you're welcome to the Visible at Work podcast today. We're so excited to have you. And I'll just tell you a bit about Sonal's story. Sonal is an experienced HR director and career strategist living in Belgium. She's in Brussels right now. She's originally from India. And she's lived and worked in India, Uruguay, Chile, France, and she has nearly two decades in HR screening, over 250,000 resumes, and conducting over 5,000 interviews in three continents. She's helped to recruit, build, and evolve highly talented teams, and she has experience working in large companies like GE, PwC, and mid-sized family-owned firms and startups. After nearly two decades in HR, she now helps people by offering authentic advice on how they can have a career they actually love. She will give you the extra edge you need to land that job, get promoted, and improve your happiness at work. Sonal has an MBA from INSEAD, currently ranked number one program in Europe, and top two globally. She speaks English, Hindi, Spanish, French fluently, and understands and speaks basic, Dutch. Sonal is our, our perfect guest to be here today. And we're so excited to have you. Sonal, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today.
0: My pleasure. And thank you for having me, Tracy.
1: So, you know, you're, when I when I connected, it was just amazing how we met and well, like e met. <laughs> so I sent a message when you mentioned how you've been able to use LinkedIn and gotten so many opportunities on that. And you talk about how you moved to different countries. I was like, yes, I need to reach out to you to come share Mm -hmm. your story on the podcast. And just reading out your bio now, I'm talking about how you also, you have a background in HR, so you also know what it feels like to um, screen candidates, to interview candidates, and also now be on the other side, especially within a new location, what that feels like as well. And that's what we really want to talk about today, about your story. So, Sona, could you just take us back a little bit on how the journey within different countries, how that started for you?
0: Absolutely. So, I started out in the year 2000 and um, from New Delhi, like you said, from India, New Delhi, born and brought up. And I started working in, uh, I think one of the big companies that I worked in was GE Capital, where I was for about almost four years, which was a very um, interesting and very enriching experience for someone young, you know, who's, um, it's like a big training school, let's say, and and you learn a lot about quality. I got Greenbelt, Six Sigma certified, et cetera. So it was a fantastic place. I did all kinds of recruitment there, uh, talent development, uh, employee relations, et cetera. And life happened, right? So I met this guy, fell in love, um, we got married and uh, his company, you know, because of his work, um, he had this brilliant opportunity to go to South America and I had just got promoted at work. So classical situation that happens, you know, with couples at work and then one person gets an opportunity and the other person has this question mark on their face and that's exactly what happened to me. And I was like... We both agreed that this is actually not going to happen every day. Um, Being on the other side of the world, literally, if you look at the globe and you see where India is and where Uruguay and then Chile, because I moved to Chile after that, if you literally, they're like two complete opposite parts of of the globe. So packed up our bags and moved to Uruguay. I was the supportive wife and did my duty and, and joined him there um and uh took a few weeks got used to the place and then you know it doesn't take long if you've been working your you know your entire young life it doesn't take long before you start itching and you get uh, you know you want to do stuff and you don't just want to you, know, you know sit and meet other women for lunches and dinners that's not for everyone i'm not yeah. saying there's anything wrong with it it just wasn't what i wanted to be doing with my time Yeah. And um, being in a place uh, so remote, so far away, and nobody speaks your language, I realized very quickly, first of all, GE, what can I do in GE in Uruguay? Nothing. There was a small little sales office. So that uh, was a dead end for me. Um, Language, my second obstacle, I didn't speak Spanish. So I decided, okay, let's start uh, a course I need to start learning. But then i went to the institutes and found out they were crazy expensive for someone who's you know younger and, and not you know earning yet i couldn't afford yeah. uh, language courses then uh, the third obstacle i had was i want to work and i want to work in human resources let me look for jobs and yeah. i started meeting a few companies And basically, they all told me in uh, (laughs) very broken English, some of them, they all told me that you need a certain degree to be able to work in HR in South America. And not all of them, but a lot of them ask for something which is related to psychology. Yes. And I had done sociology. And I was like, honestly, what difference does it make? I didn't know that what well, you are The world the
1: humanities, right?
0: Oh, yeah, but why does it matter, honestly, if I'd studied economics? Because at the end of the day, I don't really know how much of what we study is really applied to our chosen field, right? I mean, I've seen CEOs who studied philosophy in college. It doesn't always have to have a correlation. But in that part of the world, it does. Hmm. So I was like, okay, I'm going to put my judgment and my bias to the side. What can I do? So the only job I could get was an English instructor. So I started working at Berlitz. They contacted me and I was like, you know what? It's better than nothing. And I learned so much. I was teaching English, but I learned so much. I didn't realize when you speak a language from birth, you don't necessarily understand how nuanced it is and how difficult it is to explain to someone that you can say put up but put out or get up. you know like explaining phrases like that it was completely nerve-wracking and my students were not children my students were spanish-speaking senior level executives in uruguay so it was very interesting because you're teaching them you need to get down to their level and explain it to them And it's not that there's anything wrong with them. It's just that you have to figure out it's a completely different skill. So I had a lot of respect for the teaching profession after that Mm -hmm. because I did it firsthand. And I started earning and I was like, okay, so the the money I'm making, I'm going to use it and I'm going to invest it in Spanish lessons because I wanted to be able to pick up the language quickly because I knew otherwise I'm going to hang around with expats, other expats like myself and there's going to be this little bubble and I'm going to be living in this isolated and I didn't want to do that. I wanted to have local friends as well, right? Because as an expat, I think you have two philosophies when you go to a country. You either try to segregate so you only hang out with people who look like you and talk like you, you know, more or less. Or you want to assimilate as much as possible and get, you know, in with locals and, and understand their traditions, etc. And I, we were somewhere in the middle. I didn't want to be only doing one or only the other. Okay. So Spanish language helped to do that. And um, the good thing about living in a country where nobody speaks your language is when you start learning, you learn really fast. Mm-hmm. The curve is really steep. I mean, you, you get it very quickly because it's all around you and you hear it all the time. So I, within a year, I was pretty fluent. And uh, then the time came to move to Chile with my husband's work again. So uh, I was happy to leave the teaching um, job that I had there. And we moved to Santiago, which is a a bigger city, more opportunities. Um, And same thing there, same challenges. I couldn't find a job very quickly. So, yeah, I forgot to say one thing, by the way, in Uruguay. The third thing I did was also volunteer because I was teaching. But I had time during the day and I could do and I didn't know what to do. So I was volunteering in a in um in a church, I was volunteering um to help um people there to learn English so that they could improve their financial situation. And a lot of them were mo- the most underprivileged uh people in society you know the, there would be people who'd be like getting on buses, playing the guitar for money
1: yeah.
0: and I'd help them by just you know teaching them basic English so that they could improve their chances at life basically so that was great fun to be honest, and did the same thing in in Santiago the first few months teach English, another institute, teach English, learn Spanish. Wow. And volunteer. This time, the volunteer thing, I went very heavy and very deep into it. I was in a home for little girls. And um, it was great fun. I was Tia. So tia means auntie in Spanish. So I was Tia Sonal. And I was like helping them with their homework. I was translating their letters to their godparents. By the way, their godparents were in Canada. In uh, <laughs> Thing in Alberta there were a lot of uh, email, uh, emails that I used to translate and by doing that I was improving my Spanish as well so I was like I'm volunteering but I'm going to think of it as free training as yeah. well.
1: Speaking about volunteering and also um, you know the work that you started it just really drives home the point of some of the things that some of our past guests have talked about and even um, some of the trainings that we do at this school at work that sometimes the way you think you're going to get opportunities is actually different from what you're going to get when you move to that location. Like Mm we volunteer and you're giving back, but at the same time, you're gaining so much in terms of, you know, how you view yourself, how you help other people, how you open up yourself to new experiences and also how you picked up the language really fast, like you talked about. So Mm -hmm. um, speaking about you know, picking up the language, moving to that location, and now trying to make new friends as well. Were you able to make new
0: friends easily? Um, Professional friends? Um, Because of the activities you choose to do, it will happen by default. So for example, learning the language, Teaching the language, you're going to have people around you that you see every day. So in my case, fellow teachers and fellow students. When I was learning Spanish, there were other people learning Spanish with me. Like, hey, um, I'm making some Indian food tomorrow. Who wants to come? Everybody's (laughs) hands up. When nothing works, um, the way to people's heart is through the stomach, right? So I would like always have people over, uh, big groups, small groups. It didn't really matter. Because um, I have, you know, a lot of us like to entertain and, and food is the thing I think that is universal when you know, they say you break bread together. Yeah. So that's number one, the friend aspect. And um, you're, you're very right when it comes to volunteering. There's the selflessness to it and I loved it. But at the same time, there is no shame to being selfish about it and saying, hey, I can get something out of it. Why not? It, uh, the best relationships are relationships between equals. They can yeah. learn something from me. I can learn something from them. So there's full respect. And a little tip I want to stress here is um, because I'm a career coach and I help people. I tell a lot of people who shy away from adding volunteer experience on their LinkedIn profile. I'm like, please do it. Don't think what are people going to think. In fact, there was a video I did on this very subject and I talked about the fact that 40% There was a survey a few years ago on LinkedIn. The hiring managers that are hiring on LinkedIn, 40% of them view volunteer experience at the same level as paid experience. Mm. So it's not for nothing. It actually does matter. Yeah, true. That's
1: really amazing. Today's episode was brought to you by Career Visibility Accelerator Programme. Have you ever felt that sinking feeling of being left out? Then listen, there's a problem you face being a highly skilled foreign professional. If you're an immigrant, a self-funded expert, a newcomer or have English as your second language, you've prepared for everything else, location, food, weather, a great house, schools for your kids if you have one but you haven't prepared for the business side of selling your skills in a new environment. You might get a job just to pay the bills. Of course, we all have bills to pay, so that's understandable. But then you get sucked into just surviving. How do you get unstuck from that? And even if you got a job, how do you influence decision makers at work, confidently speak up at meetings, deal with the cultural differences that could affect your productivity and performance? you plan for every other thing else and all of that is hinged on the work that you do so you need to plan for how you manage your talent sell your skills build your connections and recertify to learn a new skill set there comes career visibility accelerator program it is here to help cut short that long, lonely, difficult process as a leading six-week virtual training program to help you stand out at work. If you're ready to take action, then join us and let's go all in. Visit www.visibleatwork.com. Sign up for the wait list to learn about a proven framework to confidently share your transferable skills, articulate your value, and be the superstar you've always been. It's been tested Proven and has helped skill the careers of many foreign professionals like you. Join the Career Visibility Accelerator Program so you can make that shift from surviving to thriving. Visit www.visibleatwork.com and sign up for the waitlist today.
0: Adding volunteer experience on their LinkedIn profile. I'm like, please do it. Don't think what are people going to think. In fact, there was a um, a video I did on this very subject. And I talked about the fact that 40% of, there was a survey a few years ago on LinkedIn, the hiring managers that are hiring on LinkedIn, 40% of them view volunteer experience at the same level as paid experience. Mm. So it's not for nothing. It actually does matter. Yeah. True. that's really
1: amazing you speaking about um what the hiring managers look for what did you notice any difference when you kept moving to different countries what the hiring manager like you mentioned how your course of study you know there was this disagreement in terms of you sh- you should have um, psychology or you should have you know sociology and, and everything mm-hmm. when you moved um, to chile was there any difference and then when you moved again now you're in brussels When you've moved differently, have you noticed the trend in terms of differences in what hiring managers are looking for?
0: Mm, Good question. I think there's a certain universality. That's what I've noticed. I mean, at the end of the day, people want go-getters, et cetera. So I don't think there is anything particularly culturally different because it is quite highly dictated by the position, right? There are very few companies who say, I met this person. She's wonderful. I'm in love. I want to hire her. And I'm going to create a position for her. So that is very rare. There's very few companies that actually do that. The virgins of the world, maybe back in the day, but I don't think a lot of people have the head count for that anymore. So it's more about this is what we need and we can play around with the description, but that's our guiding light, let's say. So to be more specific with your, with with your question, I think I would say, for example, um, in the different countries, yes, it was based on the position, but also it's also based on the industry. So uh, now coming to Chile, a very interesting thing happened through a, an accident. I don't know how much time we have to go into it, but through a very happy accident, I got a job at PwC, which is a great big management consulting firm. And they wanted someone who spoke good English and um, they liked certain skills that I had because the management consulting industry finds those skills very valuable. So I would say industry specific and mm-hmm. position specific usually for me, at least in my experience, they tend to dictate what they look for in people.
1: Yeah, mm, that's great. Industry-specific and um, position-specific. So that's one thing as well. You know, If you're moving to a new location, when you get into that location, just think about your industry you want to go into and then the position that you're aiming for. Um, exactly. I think that would be very helpful, especially if you're even going to make a pivot from the position you were in before. And you want to
0: try out a different position in a different location, right? And I think that the the great thing about that, what you just shared, is the fact that if I come from, let's say I'm from Nigeria, right? And I go to Canada and I'm looking at a job in PwC, I want to work in PwC. The PwC in Nigeria and the PwC in Canada are not going to be that different. So there's always going to be some benchmarks if there are large companies. Um, so that would be a safe place to start in the sense you kind of know what they're looking for. So it's not completely, you know, they say do whatever you can when you're in a career change but to have the wind on your back mm-hmm. and not always go against the wind because it's pretty That's exhausting. Yeah.
1: yeah, it's true. It's almost like swimming against
0: the tide and then rather yeah. than
1: floating. Yeah, I uh,
0: mean, you we all need to do it at some point or the other, but if we do it for months and months and months at a time, at some point or the other, we do feel discouraged and we're like, hey, why bother? I'm just yeah. going to be in bed all day. Yeah. And before you know it, those days have converted into weeks.
1: Yes, yeah. <laughs> and, <months. laughs> and months, yes, that's true. So speaking about global companies, um, I think that's another thing I just picked up from what you said. And if you have a global, like you've worked for a company where if you mentioned the name In a different country people immediately know the company you're talking about you shouldn't be afraid to look out for that kind of company or maybe a similar kind of company in the location where you're in and also a lot of those companies have alumni networks so you can also reach out to your alumni networks and in that new location that hey i used to work for this company in this um position and right now i just recently moved here and this is what I'm looking for. This is what I'm trying to do. And you just never know what could happen. Sona also has a live videos that she does on LinkedIn every Friday. It's called Supercharge Friday. And I watched one of those videos We were talking about gaps in your resume. If you have gaps in your resume and with everything happening, um, there's a lot of uncertainty in town and some people are definitely going to have gaps in your resume or those who have had gaps in your resume because they moved.
0: How do they address that? It's a big loaded question. So, um, Tracy, before I answer this question, I want to rewind a little bit because what we just talked about—you know—you can reach to the alumni network, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. A lot of stuff that I'm sharing is in hindsight. When I was in that moment, I didn't have all these ideas, right? So, they right. say in basic English, in hindsight, it's always 2020. My vision is always perfect, but right. I do want to share to someone who's listening in your audience and you know who's going through this and is feeling miserable i don't want to paint this rosy picture and i want to share a little story because when we moved to chile i still remember it was january 2016 uh i'm sorry 2006 and um i was looking around i couldn't find opportunities and uh, my husband was going to work every day he was going and coming home at uh, 5 pm 6 pm and i didn't know what to do with my time i was reading books i was watching tv shows and uh, it was starting to get pretty depressing so i want to share it's normal to feel that way. I'm pretty sure yeah. I was depressed in that period of time. I didn't want to talk to it. I didn't want to talk to my family back in India. I was like, what am I going to share? There's nothing to talk about. Yeah. And I'd be in yeah. bed all day and he'd come home and I'd, I'd want to pick a fight with him because I was like happy to talk to another human being because it was like literally being in quarantine yeah. <laughs> in a way. Yeah. Um, and um, had, uh, I was living, I, I call it my period of living on um, chips and Gilmore Girls. Gilmore Girls <laughs> was hot that time and on TV and that's what I was doing. And then I decided just one day, just enough and stopped feeling sorry for myself. And I found out, okay, there's a place where I can learn Spanish and then found out up oh, there's a place I can volunteer. Ah, I found out there's something called LinkedIn. This is 2006. So I, I was very new to LinkedIn yeah. and through yeah. a coincidence, I found, oh, there's somebody who's from Uruguay, who's living in Chile because I lived one year there and met that person for lunch. And my husband said, Hey, let's join. I'll join you. That guy called his wife. We took them out for lunch. And it turned out his wife's dad was a partner at PwC and nothing happened with this meeting. I didn't even know her dad was a partner in PwC and four months later, I get a call from PwC. So it's very funny how life happens when you don't yeah. expect it. Yeah. But I just wanted to say, it's not easy when you're going through it in that moment. People will tell you to be positive, be open, be motivated. you got to go through, you got to go through the feels. You've got to go through the motions and, and whenever you're ready, you will come out of it. Yeah. Um, so that gap in my CV, coming to your question, I had, I had a gap of a few months. And then I also want to talk about very openly, and I've talked about it on LinkedIn as well. I've been uh, let go of, um, you know, from my job more than once um, with corporate restructuring, et cetera. And now it's even more of a reality, but it's been there for as long as, <laughs> as long as corporate jobs have been there. And uh, my position was made redundant or there were, um, you know, organizational restructuring, et cetera. So I had gaps. The first time I had a gap was two and a half years, which is a very long time considering I had just completed my MBA. I worked for two years, had another kid and I was like, okay, I'm not getting a job. So I might as well, you know, we think about expanding our family and we had another kid. And I was worried about... To some extent, I was like, how is this gap going to look on my CV? But then I decided it's only as important as I make it out to be. And that I did very, very consciously. So when I would talk to companies, I never, ever in that moment viewed the gap as something negative. It was very clear and very transparent. And I wasn't hiding it. You know, I wasn't showing fictitious employment or whatever. So I would say the first thing, just accept it for what it is. Be honest about it. And uh, my strategy was always, how can I play this to my advantage? How yeah. can I show that I, I've actually been of use? Because I have been of use. The difference is that the world and the government and the economy doesn't value, uh, for example, women who are home, Um Doing ten jobs but not being paid for those jobs, right? So it's not yes. valued. Um, it's not considered gainful employment. You're doing it for free. So um, at that period of time, I decided to do a few things. I, uh, with my alumni network from business school, I would go to these meetings, and um, somebody said, "Oh, we've started this club." I'm like, "Oh, that's really interesting." Went to this club, met this person. Do you need help? Oh, awesome! They're like, "Yeah, but we're in um, a non-profit. We can't afford." Like, I don't care. I'll do it for free. So again. I didn't think of it as volunteering. I was, I called it my consulting period because I was helping them to hire a CEO. So my HR skills, my interviewing, my screening, all of that stuff, uh, all of that stuff came in handy for them. I did it, but I was also selfish because I put it on my CV. It helped to explain what I was doing during this period of time. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: So I said this today in my LinkedIn live, um, uh, Try and see how you can convert a period of, let me get this right because I messed it up. How can you convert a period of hopelessness Mm. to helpfulness? I heard this um, by an author today or yesterday and I loved it because I was like, oh, that's amazing. So the period when I'm really focusing on myself and it's, oh man, how is it going to look, etc." Why don't I use this time and just give away everything I know for free, whether it's with a company, with a startup, Or for that matter, I had clients, by the way, they were a lot of pro bono clients and I wrote it down. I was helping someone who was, you know, changing jobs and I helped them with their branding on their CV, etc. And and I knew knew they couldn't afford to pay and I didn't even have a company. So I didn't want to charge them, you know, like under the table. I didn't want to do that. So that was the best way. And it also helped me to stay in the game Mm. because um, when you haven't worked for a while, it does feel sometimes, and particularly if you've had kids, but not only, but if you've had kids and you, your vocabulary, you know, diapers and mommy brain, <laughs> laundry, the mommy thing, the brain does turn to mush. So those type of meetings, even if they were like once in a few weeks, yeah. it helped me to stay sharp.
1: True.
0: And the other thing I would also say is, is um, the language we use is very important. So I made an entire video on this. Um, Tracy, I'm going to send the link to you and, and please feel free to share it with your with your audience because I think they would find it very, very, very useful. I did that video after literally weeks of research, both in my own way of addressing my gaps on my CV, but also with my um, clients on how I helped them. So for example, saying uh, you were, you know, this is my gap. Six years, I didn't work. I have a client who didn't work for six years, which some people will say, oh, how did, How can you can't get a job now? What's the point? You can't. Like, okay, you, you got to be careful who are the people you hang out with because yeah. there's going to be yeah. always going to be people who tell you you can't do something. How is that serving me? It's not. So I'm going to distance myself from their message. And also then saying, yeah, this period of time, how can you explain it? So it was all about the words. So I helped, you know, for example, help someone and say, during this period of time, we relocated from uh, France to Australia to Europe and was responsible for creating a nurturing and safe environment for my family, uh, my husband and two children. So this was the period that I was doing this. Rather than just say, I was I'm the house okay. <laughs> It's much more than that. Somebody who I know who had um, a baby and she took three years off she was, she was embarrassed. She was ashamed. And I said, you should be proud. I mean, look at the birth rate in Europe. There's a huge aging population. Huge. Oh, yeah. And yeah. the birth rate is going down, right? So our population is graying in Europe. Mm. You are responsible for being, you know, helping that curve <laughs> to change. Yeah. And you're helping the future economy. So don't be embarrassed. This is a, how the society works. And I was like, rather than just, you know, I have, I've had a baby. No. So I literally made her write in her CV brought life into the world Hmm. was single-handedly responsible towards the care of our newborn son Hmm. that and i the number one thing i should have said this in the beginning i'm sorry the number one thing i tell my clients is address the gap don't hide it it, because it's a little annoying when you're a recruiter and i've been on the other side and i'm seeing somebody's resume it's very interesting I'm reading, I'm making the effort to read and I suddenly see there's something strange between 2008 and 2010, there's nothing there. Like that entire period has like vanished into an abyss. Like what happened.
1: Yeah.
0: I, many people will give different views. This is my view. So obviously all the advice I'm giving you, you know, it's obviously take it with a grain of salt because it it has to work for you and your situation. I would say just address it, you know, bang on because the people on the other side are also human beings. Yeah. And they also have a life. And if they don't have kids, doesn't matter. They have probably aging parents or, you know, they've taken care of a sick relative. People know life happens.
1: Yeah.
0: And if the person on the other side doesn't get it, I am like, you know what? Sometimes it's not a bad thing because they're showing you their true colors from the very beginning. Do you really want to work in a company that doesn't value, like on the human side of things and only wants to see a certain, you know, perfect resume perfect employee and not the human side i don't know i always feel like it's um, in a way it's a blessing in disguise when that yeah. happens
1: and another thing you mentioned about um you know just focusing and talking about it head-on is that when you don't talk about them it feels like you have
0: something to hide and, and you don't and you yeah, don't. don't that's why there is not i mean when you address it there's two good things that happen number one you have nothing to hide Number two, um, you are explaining your story to the recruiter and there may be something interesting you've given them to talk about just by sharing, you know, I see that you lived in Australia. Oh, I see. You had a kid. Oh, so that means your kid must be 11. Oh, I also have an 11 year old. It's fine. I mean, we're, we're not uh, applying for a job to, to robots. We're not yet. We're still like, there's a human being on the other side who's going to be meeting us. Yeah.
1: So. And how the, I like how you mentioned like the human element plays a factor in even the interview process, the job process, and, you know, just being in charge of your own story. Like, because, more, because of my background in communications, I get that a lot where mm-hmm. I also have to help people, especially a lot of listeners on the show and the coaching program that we have, and saying that whether you talk, you decide to talk about it or not, someone is going to talk about it for you. So you have to choose your narrative when you decide to move or you're in a new location, you have to, you know, sit down and write your own narrative. What, what do you want your narrative to be? What do you want your story to be? sit back and think that it, it couldn't be just all bad times. I'm sure there were good times and pick out the good times from the story and, you know, transform your own story yourself. And also like speaking about the seven, I think it was 17 questions
0: you said about gaps in your resume, the video uh yeah 17 minutes okay okay yes <laughs> it's almost like for me it's like a masterclass because it goes into real level
1: of detail okay so um, 17 minutes is not that long for you to sit and hear um what sonal has to say about if you have any gaps in your resume and what you can say to fill that up so i'm going to share the link as well so you can take the time to listen to it and you know that would be really really great so now let's jump into um, what we have to discuss about what's going on in town, how how does it feel right now for a lot of people where you have so many family members and friends all over, especially if you've moved um, for a while, you probably have one or two people um, in different parts of the world where you have to like worry about and think about right now. Um, so Sonal, can you share with us about that? Uh, about my family members and where they live, do you mean? I mean like friends, um, connections that you have, and um, what that feels like for an expat, to someone who's... New. Okay, in
0: Brussels, yeah. in Belgium. Uh, the, um, I think the beauty and the sadness of having expat friends, the beauty is you get to meet people from literally all over the world. And uh, particularly if you have kids, you know, what happens is uh, your kids' school friends, their parents become your friends. Or, you know, when I remember when they were in daycare, the parents would become friends and they'd come over and and all of that so that's the beauty of it um other expat friends the the sadness is that at some point somebody you know at some point or the other they you know they will leave um i've been in belgium for over 10 years and i'm really surprised i didn't expect that we will be here this long we came here in the summer of 2009 uh, right after business school and uh, when i finished um, my business school cuz like i said um Studied in um, India and then Uruguay moved for uh, studied and worked in India, moved to Uruguay for work, then Chile, then France where I did my MBA and then Belgium. So um, we, we were like, yeah, we'll maybe test it out a couple of years and then let's see. And then we're still here. So firstly, life is very unpredictable. Um, we've kept in touch with a lot of those friends, but it's not the same, right? And you know, yes, we visit them right. and we have our holidays. So our friends here are a very mixed bag where we have friends who are parents of other kids who our kids hang out with. So that's number one, fellow parents.
1: Yeah,
0: um, yeah. What happens is your friends who are single, and that's true not just for expats, but your friends who are single or who are married, but they don't have kids. Suddenly, over a period of time, there is a little bit of distancing that develops and it's not conscious because you feel like you have less and less common and not just you, but the other side also I'm like, oh, she's going to talk about her kids. You know, Do I really want to hang out? I have a few like that that I love hanging out with because they remind me of my Time before children, <laughs> and that was quite exciting, and makes me feel younger again, and you know, go to like go out for like girls' night outs and stuff like that. So school plays a big role uh, in terms of parents um, who are friends. Then also work, right? So I've been in three companies here, and I developed a, a nice circle of friends, and I go see them. But it's not the same because, at least in this culture, I feel, particularly, you know, in, in Belgium, where everyone is very, in, a, in a, I mean that in a good way, they're very family oriented. Yeah. So most weekends, people's weekends are usually planned out for like weeks at a time, you know, they're going to their, you know, aunt's house, grandma's house, cousin's house. And I'm like, hey, you want to catch up? Let's go for a movie right now. Let's go. I have to think about that. I can't just do that with like my local Belgian friends. I have to plan in advance, which yeah. can sometimes dampen the the entire idea because yeah. sometimes you just want to like, you know, go. So I can do that with a few friends who are like living close by. And I live in a suburb. So I have to be careful because it needs to be someone who has a car because public transport, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So that plays a role. Um, Friends from work, friends from uh, school. Um, Yeah. I mean, if I've, um, I, I start I I joined a choir uh, which was um, like f- it's fifty people and you know any hobby that you take up you have friends there as well, so for me that aspect is really important and I'm I'm missing my friends so I mean uh, as comfortable as I've been with the uh, uh, the current situation in COVID nineteen because it's what is it it's April that we're talking yeah um, it's nice to be able to like go out and just you know have a drink together etc and that's true for everyone. Um, They say it's particularly true for um, extroverts because for them, energy comes from people. Um, And um, yeah, it's a nice bunch. But like I said, you've got to reinvent your, in a way, reinvent yourself. Because when your expat friends leave, it's like they're taking a little tiny part of you because you invested some years into that friendship Mm -hmm. and then you've got to start over. So was, yeah, speaking about starting over i was just about to ask you. it's an investment it's an investment tracy because you're like this is exhausting i literally like she was my best friend for four years and now she's gone this one looks like she's a potential new best friend <laughs> but i'm not do, sure. do I not do i do i not and you're like what have i got to lose what have i got to lose at some point one day we will all leave i don't know how long i'm going to be here do i want to be here till i retire I don't know i don't think so it's too far away and i, I can't plan that far ahead mm-hmm. so in the meantime it's like you got to make the most with what you've got yeah so speaking about that you know <laughs> thinking you now it
1: just takes me back memories like for me as well you know trying to make friends and then you're like am i calling too much or do i wait a minute or do i send an email or do i send a text or do i
0: call <laughs> oh, yeah so, I, I i remember very well um so when we moved to this house, I, we'd already been in Belgium for three years, but I remember very well, I had four good friends who left. Four, I think within a few months of each other, they left, they went to different countries. And we had just moved to this house. It's a very like spacious, comfortable house. Um, and it was winter and I had just had my second kid. And my husband was traveling a lot. My mom came from India, my mom-in-law came from India, you know, to help out, et cetera. And it felt like I was new to, I was new in the country, even though I'd been in the country for three years, because on the friend aspect of it, I had to start all over. Yeah. And I still remember this new friend I made. One day, my baby was just not like, he just couldn't stop crying. I was losing my mind. And I was like, oh, God, he's been crying since 9am. Like it's 9pm and he hasn't stopped crying. It was one of those phases. We've all been there.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, no sleep, nothing. Just wanted mommy all the time. Just wanted to be fed. I was losing my mind. I didn't know what to do. So I called this this uh, new friend that I made. And I was like, do I, do I not? My mom said, just call her. Doesn't she have two boys? I'm like, yeah, yeah. But her boys are only a little older than mine. She's like, well, that's experience. Just call her. I called her. You know, she was reassuring me and trying to make me feel better. Um, and I was just like happy to talk to her. The next day when I saw her at school, at pickup time for my older one, she said, you have no idea how awesome it felt that you called me. She said, you know I'm new in Belgium and I've been very low and very depressed, but because you called me, I felt useful again. Wow. I was like, wow. I didn't realize the power of reaching out wasn't just for me. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's true. Sometimes we're so self-conscious about ourselves that we don't even know that just even being you know reaching out to other people we're also giving them an opportunity as well to also learn from us our own experiences and we can rock minds and share experiences too so it was really great that you pointed out as well you know how to start all over in terms of friendships mm-hmm. and how would you translate that into professional connections so if you're trying to start all over um especially like there yeah, are certain things you can't call um a co-worker that you you're mm-hmm. just trying to build that relationship with to build the rapport how can one build a rapport with a new co-worker or professional connection that they want to build in a new country
0: in a new country yes. uh, great question some of my colleagues became friends and I think um, just like with every with every situation I think the best conversations do not happen when you're at your desk and you're working the best conversations happen at the water cooler or the camp you know the cafeteria wherever you're sitting or you're standing in line you're waiting to pay the bill in the cafeteria you start talking the conversation becomes interesting hey i'll catch you tomorrow and you realize there's a routine happening and every time you're in the water cooler the person's there at the same time yeah um, so those conversations those water cooler conversations for me which um, become lunch conversations and then they become hey Why don't you come over? What are you guys doing tomorrow? You know, like, just drop in. And uh, this is what I'm making. Why don't we do potluck so it's even less stressful for the host? And, you know, you don't have to think about it. Just, like, have a tidy living room. (laughs) Not more than that. Um, And some of those have developed into pretty good, deep, meaningful friendships. I had birthdays. I had them over. And my kids' birthdays as well. So, you've got... um, the interesting challenge that I think some people might be able to relate with is in our couple. So my husband and wife, my husband's more of an introvert and he doesn't need a lot of that to give him energy. He's happy with the kids. He says, you know, he's got to work that he has to network a lot. So, and that tires him out. So like at, in the weekend, you know, clean the house, we're having people over. He doesn't particularly want that. And I'm like, I want that. And I want to be able to cook and have, so you've got to be able to strike a balance, but um, how, how, to ensure that the other one is not feeling too resentful and and too tired. And so so doing it in a way that doesn't feel, um, you know, like it's too much for your, for your partner, because you have, we all have different personalities. Um, Having said that, sorry, what was your question, Tracy? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: So those colleagues into making those connections and colleagues. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It just doesn't have to happen at your desk. It could just happen at different And it's very natural. And you don't plan it. It's just, it's very natural. You always have some things in common. And they don't even have to be like other expats, you know. Um, it could be other people from the same country. Oh, yeah. Who are there and... and they have more in common with you. Maybe they lived in your country. There's always something that you find. There's always a common angle or you work in the same department or you have the same boss and you crack a few jokes of the same sense of humor. It doesn't take a lot. And I think that there is a little bit of experimenting in the beginning and one shouldn't be too picky because when we're experimenting, we're going to realize, actually, I don't have a lot in common with him. I had him over and there was a big bunch of us, but he talked about some stuff that honestly didn't make a lot of sense to me. So I may not call him back, you know, to yeah. the house, yeah, which yeah. is fine. Because in the beginning, it's kind of like you're trying out, right? It's that's like nothing. Yeah. the shoe doesn't fit? Yeah. yeah, so that's the work part. I, one thing I forgot to mention I, is, is meetup.com. I'm talking 2009, 2010. So meetup was very new meetup.com yeah. I don't know how far it, it is now but oh, I needed that outlet of others you know other expats etc so I tried a couple of their like events I, I went to a movie with a bunch of them there was a dinner or um, somebody's house I really enjoyed those meetings but I didn't take it further I got busy and, and stuff happened but yeah uh, and they have so many different interests there oh, was yeah. one which was only for yeah there was one which is only books one which was only languages and it was such a nice, different um, bunch of people. Mm. And then you realize, yeah, I'm new in the city. So particularly for people who don't have like kids and stuff like that, because like I told you, when you have kids, there will be automatically a social circle around you, which is related to yeah. your kids.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. for me, I saw that meetup.com, I met a few people who were single or who didn't have kids. And uh, I, yeah, maybe that was one of the reasons I didn't take it yeah. further because there were not a lot of other moms like me. <laughs> yeah. They I just-
1: meet up. I've also met a few good people uh, when I moved recently. When I moved, I met a few good people too through Meetup. I went for a, an event and then met a few people and then met some other people.
0: So, you know, I think now it's even easier now because you've got like a hundred thousand Facebook groups and uh, there's so many Facebook groups where I live which are great, but they were not there when I moved to Belgium. So yes. there's something vegan that, related to vegan. And I see very like, I'm in that group and, and there's such a nice bunch of messages. Um, I'm not vegan, but I'm trying to be. Mm-hmm. But there's also like um, Brussels expats. There's a group which is only expats. And then there'll be like 40,000 people in the group, right? And there'll yes. be like three, who, three people mm-hmm. whose messages you like, whose posts you like. You reach out. You start talking, you leave each other voice, text, you meet, you become friends. So, yeah. which is fine. It's not, it's not a numbers game at the end of the day, these friendships. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: thank you so much for sharing. So one final word, speaking about, you know, helping people with happiness at work, how can you advise for a lot of people to find that happiness at work? Especially how the way our work is changing now. We're now working remotely and I'm sure now in a lot of companies will be more aligned into allowing you know their employees work remotely because now you've been able to make it work so i guess we'll be having more conversations in the future about that so in terms of you know finding your happiness at work what would you advise
0: hmm. great question um i think this it's um, also a complicated question because you can talk an hour just about this question but if i yeah. had to simplify it i would say there is the sweet spot where you have three things that meet Uh, the first is this is what i'm good at this is my list this is what i'm good at i know how do i know that people have told me you know i've got this feedback consistently this is what i'm good at the second is this is what i love and um if i had to do it for free i would do it for free in my case career coaching and I have done it for free and I still do it for free when I go live and I and I make all my videos I basically give 99% of my content away for free this is what I love and I would do it for free if I had to this is what I'm good at and the third is this is what I can get paid for like you know actually get compensated for which gives me fulfillment because you need all three you can't just do the first two with and live on love and fresh air and that sweet spot it's called Ikigai in Japanese and there's more columns in there and this is it this is your calling I feel like when those three meet and I help my clients with that as well because over a period of time the thing that we're good at is not always the thing that we love you know just because we're good at it doesn't mean we love it like I may be good at video editing and I, I do that 10 times a day But I don't love it. It's not something that brings my, you know, that sparks sparks joy. (laughs) And the thing that I love may not be something that I can actually get compensated for. I may love, you know, traveling, but I can't find that as feasible. So, but when you do that and you do that inner work, because what I just shared on a superficial level, it may not make a lot of sense to many people until they do the digging and do the inner work. Yeah. Yeah. When all of these three meet together, and I know there's this cliche, you know, when you love what you do, you don't have to work a day in your life. And everyone's like, oh, it's so easy to say that. Well, actually it is easy to say that and it's not hard to do, but you got to start in the sense that not from a place of scarcity. Oh no, I hate this, but I need this job. I have to pay my bills. So I need to take this job. I'm just going to have to do it for now. Fine, take it, but then don't complain later. You either do that or if you've got, you know, certain bells ringing and you're interviewing and you're like, I'm not sure I have a good feeling about this place. Maybe the person who interviewed me, there's something about the vibe here. Yeah. Um, you know, I went to the office, but people looked very, you know, like the environment looked very strange. Could this be toxic? This boss looks strange and those bells are going on and you still join because, you know, you need the job or whatever. Then our intuition is never wrong. I'm, I'm convinced of it. So yeah. Our environment, our people around us, have a huge role to play, if we are happy at work or not. Because I wish it were only um, in our control, but it's it's not. Sometimes you have one bad apple, like just one bad apple, and it just destroys the whole bunch. You may be the most positive, most sunny person in the world. So when all of that comes together, the external environment, what you do, what you love, what you're good at, and how can you get compensated for it there are ways to find out there are all these online tools that one can use and this thing is called ikigai the one i'm talking about yeah and i'm yep. simplifying awesome. but yeah but it's it's possible and i think honestly for me it's a human right it's one of the human rights uh, of you know being having the right to do the work that we enjoy and that we're happy and we're proud yeah that's true that's true
1: so happiness is it's a marathon it's not a sprint it takes time and we mm-hmm. must take the time to discover ourselves. And I think Mother Earth has done this for us right now, where we've been asked to slow down <laughs> and everyone is all indoors. We can really use this time to do the deep work that Sonal is talking about. Sonal, has been so exciting today, just hearing you talk about your story, sharing with us the journey and how we can also start all over, finding new friends, building professional connections. In fact, we touched on a lot of things. And, you know, even the video that you're, you're going to send us the link about um talking about gaps in your resume. So, you know, if you really want to get the full picture about this video, make sure you watch the, you listen to the full episode. And then, you know, you'll be able to pick a thing or two about, you know, moving, finding friends, starting all over, and then your work, and also rounding it up with happiness at work. Thank you so much, Sonal. It was such a pleasure to have you. And my pleasure.
0: My, thank you for having me. I, I just want to say, um, if you're interested, because I'd love to connect with people in your group and if they're interested, they can just go to superchargeyourself.com. That's my website because I have my links. Link, I pretty much live on LinkedIn. Anybody yeah. who wants to reach out to me and follow those LinkedIn lives, etc. Those are great fun um, and also very helpful. Uh, superchargeyourself.com. Do that. It'll be uh, an honor. And thank you so much, Tracy. Uh, absolute pleasure. And thank you for having me. Thank you so much, Sonal. It
1: was a pleasure, pleasure, pleasure. So um, everyone here, I hope you enjoyed it. And remember, communication is a superpower to remain visible at work. I'll see you next week. Thanks. Okay. Bye. <laughs> Thank you so much.